Good morning. We are so thankful that you're here today. Thank you for coming our way. If you're visiting, we want you to know how much we appreciate you being here. We encourage you to come back. We'd love to have you here regularly. There are a number of folks that have identified with us in recent weeks and months, and we would love to have you be a part of our family. We've got a lot of great things going on, and I'm sure that you can find a place to serve the Lord in this congregation. So again, thank you for being here. It's a beautiful day. And we've been blessed to have the opportunity to sing, to pray, to listen to what God has to say in His Word. And so today, we're going to be talking for a minute or two about what was it that attracted people to Jesus. That's going to be the theme of our study today. And so as you contemplate that theme, why were people drawn to Jesus? Had you been living in the first century, would there have been some compelling reasons for you to seek out the Lord? I think that there are a number of statements that were made about Jesus that really lends insight into what brought people to Jesus. In many instances, we find that Jesus was somewhat of a magnet to people. They were drawn to Him time and again. I can't help but think about, for example, what Mark recorded as was read a moment ago in Mark 7, verse 37. The record says, He has done all things well. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Luke said of Jesus that He went about doing good. And you remember following the Sermon on the Mount. The Bible says that the people were astonished at His teaching because He taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. In John chapter 7, verse 46, again, the record states about the Christ. No man ever spoke like this man. And so, based upon what was said about Him, it's no wonder people were drawn to Him and people wanted to be in His presence. Let me just cite for you some, what I believe to be some reasons why people were drawn to Jesus. I want to begin by first of all saying that Jesus offered life. Jesus offered life. In John chapter 10 at verse 10, the Lord said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So in the first place, as I think about Jesus offering people life, to understand that the Lord Jesus has the ability to offer people a quality life. I mean, after all, aren't people looking for a quality life? I was talking just a moment ago about a brother who is up in years, facing a lot of health problems, in many ways debilitated. And sometimes we reach a certain point in life where the bottom line is we don't have any quality of life. There are a lot of people in our world today. They're on a quest for something. They don't really know what they're looking for, but in their mind, they're thinking, if I see it, if I find it, I'll know it. Well, to understand that genuine quality in life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
Do you remember, for example, in John chapter 4, when Jesus was at Jacob's well in Sychar? And he had the opportunity to spend some time and talk to a Samaritan woman. And over the course of their conversation, he began by asking her for a drink of water. And that led to a conversation between these two people. And in that context, Jesus told her to go and call her husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you've answered correctly. Because you've been married five times, the man you now have is not your husband. Is it possible that that particular lady was looking for something but never quite found it up until that point in time? I mean, she had been through a number of men. And if I look at her life and as I think about what the record says, I can't believe that at that point in time she was enjoying what we would call a quality life. There are a lot of people in our world today, they are literally drinking themselves to death. Or they're using some type of chemical substance to alleviate the guilt and the suffering that they face in life. They want a better life. They're looking for a quality life. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that all spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places in Christ. And so... When Jesus talked to the woman at the well about that living water, the fact that she could tap into something that would provide for her genuine happiness and contentment, eternal life. And so Jesus offers people, number one, a quality life. But then he also has the ability to add quantity to life. Listen to him in John chapter 8, verse 51. Jesus said, If a man keep my word, he will never see death. Do not people in this day and age want to live forever? Are there not many people looking for that fountain of life? They're doing everything that they can to stretch life out. And yet Jesus said, If a man keep my word, he will never taste death. In John chapter 11, Jesus in his conversation with Martha, you remember that? Lazarus was dead. And the Bible tells us that Martha approached Jesus and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he asked this question, do you believe? Do you believe that? Didn't Jesus bring life and immortality to light through the gospel of Christ? Yes. And so there is this hope of life eternal. Paul in Titus chapter 1 said that those of us who are in Christ, we live in hope of life eternal. Our lives are anchored in Christ. And we know that when this life gives way to death, We've got something far better on the other side, don't we? Now you can go back and read the book of Ecclesiastes and go back and pour over those 12 chapters. Solomon was on a quest. He's trying to find out the purpose of life. And really, there are three basic questions that people have asked down through the ages. Number one, where did we come from? Wasn't it, wasn't it God who tells us? in Genesis chapter 1, that we've been made in His image and likeness? 
There are those who ask the question, what are we doing here? There are people today, they're trying to find their niche, their purpose, their aim in life. And Solomon said, the thrust of life, fear God and keep His commandments. This is man's all. And then what about where are we headed? Do you remember Job in Job 14, verse 14, asked the question, if a man die, will he live again? What Jesus said in the gospel narrative is, if you follow me, you'll never die. That is, you will enjoy the blessing of life eternal. So, number one, Jesus, Jesus and Jesus alone offers life. But then there's a second thought here. Jesus offers liberty. Go back and look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And again, think about how people were drawn to the Lord. Why were people drawn to the Lord? I think one of the reasons is because He had the ability to liberate them physically and spiritually. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus was in Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the kingdom of God, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And the Bible says that His fame spread throughout Syria. Now just imagine living in the first century and you have some type of dreaded disease, and you hear that there is someone walking around in your vicinity who has the power to heal, the power to, allevi to alleviate your suffering, would you have sought Him out? Would you have looked for Him? You know, Matthew said in Matthew chapter 4 that the people brought to Him all who were afflicted with disease and those who were tormented and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. The Lord Jesus Christ was a magnet. I mean, here were people that were faced with some type of terrible disease and they're drawn to Him. I encourage you to go back and look at the record. And read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and note the number of people that Jesus transformed, physically speaking. But more importantly, spiritually. The Lord Jesus would say in John chapter 8, Jesus talking to the Jews of His day. In verse 34, He said that those who are living in sin are bondservants of sin. In verse 32, He said, You shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Jesus came to liberate people from the bondage of sin. In short, He came to serve people, didn't He? I mean, wasn't that the thrust of His life? He's on earth for the purpose of bettering humanity. Wasn't it Jesus who said, I've come to seek and to save the lost? Sure. The Lord Jesus was interested in man. He is interested in man. Think about what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4. God would have all men, A-L-L, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Was the Lord Jesus Christ interested in those who were from Abraham's seed? Yes, He was. 
Was he interested in Gentiles? Again, the answer is a resounding yes. The Lord Jesus had the ability to liberate people. In Matthew chapter 9, you remember Jesus is in the home of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a Jew. Tax collectors were frowned upon by the people of his day. And so, the religious leaders, they wanted to know, why is it that your teacher, your master, would stoop to the level of associating with these people? And you remember what Jesus said? Those who are whole have no need of a physician. But those who are sick. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, sift through the record. Look at the impact he had on that woman from Samaria in John chapter 4. The woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8. Think about, for example, Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus, he too was a tax collector. When he heard Jesus was coming to town, he climbed up into a sycamore tree so that he might see him. Tell me the Lord Jesus Christ didn't draw people. Tell me people weren't interested in the one called the Son of God. Yes, they were. And you remember Jesus said after spending some time with Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to your house. So the Lord Jesus made a difference in the lives of people. And here's the point. He can make a difference in your life. He can offer you the quality of life that you're looking for. He can add quantity to your life. In other words, you'll never die. You'll live forever in His presence. He can liberate you from the bondage of sin. There are people in our world today, they are broken down, they're hurting, they're suffering. Their lives are chaotic. They are, in many respects, a mess. Well, let me tell you what, Jesus Christ is in the business of helping people. He is in the business of liberating people from the bondage and tyranny of sin. I know what people think. I know that there are folks out in the world today that would tell you they're not interest, interested in living the Christian life because they don't want to be infringed upon. They don't want people telling them what to do. But to understand that if you're in sin, you're already in bondage. The Bible says that those who are in sin have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. So the Lord Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. Now let me give you a third reason why I believe people were drawn to Jesus. And that is because I believe the Lord Jesus Christ loved people. He genuinely loved people. There are folks in our world today, they'll tell you right up front, they're not a people person. And they're not interested in getting to know people. There are some who have such a negative disposition in life, they despise people. They don't want to be around people. But that wasn't the case with Jesus, was it? No, you look at the life of Jesus and you see somebody who genuinely had an interest in the well-being of people. So let me just share with you a couple of thoughts. 
Number one, the Lord Jesus Christ was approachable. Jesus was approachable. Again, I want to invite you to go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And note the vast numbers of people that migrated toward the Lord Jesus Christ, who sought Him out. In Matthew chapter 4, in about verse 25, the record says, And great multitudes followed Him. From Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Wherever Jesus went, people wanted to be around Him. They wanted to be in His presence. And in many instances, they approached Him. They weren't hesitant about doing that. They weren't shy. You remember in Luke 18, Mark chapter 10, we have a record of a rich, young ruler. And the text tells us that he ran to Jesus, knelt before Him, and he wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you're not to commit adultery. You're not to murder. You're not to bear false witness. He went on to say, you're not to defraud. You are to honor your father and mother. This young fellow said, All these I have observed from my youth. And the Bible says that Jesus, looking on him, loved him. And then he said, Go and sell whatever you have, give to the poor. And he said, You'll have treasure in heaven. Take up your cross and follow me. Here was a fellow. He was interested in eternal life, wasn't he? And I would assume that based upon what the record has to say, that this man had a problem with what we would call covetousness. He liked things. He liked material goods in life, and he wasn't willing to part with that. But note, if you would, what Mark says about Jesus. Despite the man's unwillingness, to walk away from the things of the world and to follow Him, the Lord Jesus still loved him, didn't He? I don't know where you are in your life. It might be the case that you are spiritually in trouble right now. Your life's not what it ought to be. You know it. Your family knows it. Your friends know it. But I can tell you this, the Lord still loves you. There will never be a time in your life when the Lord doesn't love you. And the Lord will always be pulling for you to do the right thing. Somebody said, well, how do you know that? Well, just read the gospel. Read the narratives. When you read the narratives, Jesus came in contact with a wide range of people. And every single person He loved, didn't He? He genuinely loved people. Matter of fact, in John chapter 13, Jesus would say, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. The Lord Jesus Christ loved people. He was interested in them, and he was approachable. He was affectionate toward individuals. Again, here's what the Bible says. 
God is not willing that any should perish, but that all, A-L-L, that includes you, includes me, includes everyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you saying then that the Lord Jesus can make a difference in my life and based upon His great love for me, He's interested in me? Yes, that's what I'm saying. The Lord Jesus is interested in you. I don't care where you are in this life. I don't care what your life is all about right now. God still loves you. That message ought to resonate in the world. Go back and look at John 3.16, the golden text of the Bible. Why do you think people are drawn to that verse? I can tell you why. Because in that verse, something is said about the tremendous love God has for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so here is God the Father showering the human family with love. Here is Jesus, the one by whom people can be saved. And He's willing to take upon Himself the role of a servant to come to planet Earth and to be obedient unto death, as Paul said, yes, even the death of the cross. No wonder the Hebrew writer said that Jesus tasted death, listen to him, for every man, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. So Jesus loved people. And by the way, let me just add this. We talk about compelling reasons why people were drawn to Jesus. They were drawn to Him because He offered life. He still offers life. They were drawn to Him because He offered liberty. He still offers liberty. They were drawn to Him because of His love. He still loves. But then there is a fourth reason. That is, I believe that Jesus was a magnet because He listened to people. Think about that for a minute. Jesus listened to people. You ever get frustrated with folks when you try to have a serious conversation with them and they're not willing to listen to you? You ever talk to people and it's if they've got one eye on you and one eye on the door? Not really wanting to listen, are they? They're not real attentive, attentive to what you're saying. And what about if you're hurting and suffering? What about if you, you have a tremendous problem in life and you're trying to bear your soul, but they're not interested? How does that make you feel? i tell you how it would make me feel. Jesus wasn't like that. No, the Bible says, for example, in Luke chapter 18... Jesus had been in Jericho, that old, renowned city. And the Bible says that when He was leaving Jericho, there was a fellow by the name of Bartimaeus sitting at the roadside. And he was blind, a beggar. And so when he heard that Jesus was coming His way, you know what he said? Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And the Bible tells us that the people that were around him said, you need to be quiet. And yet, 
Luke said that he cried out all the more. Now they're telling him, look, you need to be quiet. You don't need to be calling for Jesus. And yet he realizes Jesus of Nazareth is making his way out of town and he knows that Jesus has something that he needs. And so he's crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And here's what the text says. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. So what does that say? Number one, it says the Lord Jesus was not too busy to help a person. Number two, I think it says that Jesus was not bothered by this individual in need. Now we talk about the Lord being attentive to our needs. You know, one of the beautiful things that we are assured of in Scripture is that the Lord Jesus functions as our intercessor. He functions as our advocate today, doesn't He? Matter of fact, He is our great high priest. That's what Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 tells us. And so, Jesus is the one who stands between us and God. So when we have problems and trials in this life, when we succumb to temptation, give in to sin, do, do we not have the luxury of going before the throne of Almighty God, and is it not the case that He is attentive to our needs? Yes. We're not bothering God. He's not too busy for us. So again, you go back and you look at the record and you think about Jesus. He's got three, three and a half years to accomplish His work here on earth. And as Jesus said in John chapter 9, in the long ago, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night comes, He said, when no man can work. Death was coming. He was living His life under the shadow of the cross. And every day he's moving one step closer to the cross of Calvary, to Golgotha. And yet, time and again, Jesus was attentive to the needs of people. So what am I saying to us today? I'm saying the Lord is attentive to our needs. Does he know what needs I have in life? Yes. Do you remember, you know, there are some passages of Scripture that we ought to, we ought to engrave them on our heart. Matter of fact, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 8, talking about the covenant that God would establish. Jeremiah foretold of it in Jeremiah 31. And God said, I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them upon their heart. There are some passages that we ought to have engraved or written on our heart. Let me give you one. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Peter said, casting all, A-L-L, your care on Him. Why? For He cares for you. God in heaven is interested in you. Look, He's already invested in you. He has given you His very best. And Jesus, the God-man, was on planet Earth offering people life, liberty, love, 
and a listening ear. And we have that same assurance today. Listen, Jesus Christ is God of the present, isn't He? Now I understand past, present, future. The Lord has no beginning, no ending. But we're living in the present. And what the Lord Jesus did back then by way of helping people, alleviating their pain, their suffering, the burden of sin, He still does that today. Put yourself in the first century. And let's just say that you were in Jericho, that old town, and you had some very real needs, and you knew Jesus was coming to town, would you have sought Him out? I know the answer to that, and you do too. It might be where you are spiritually right now. You know you need Jesus. And when you look at what the Bible has to say about Him, you are drawn to Him. You just haven't acted upon it. Could I encourage you to do that today? To put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of the living God. To recognize that He has the ability to give you the hope of life eternal. If you've never obeyed the gospel, to understand that sin separates us from God, and yet Jesus Christ functions as our mediator. And He has the ability to bring us to God, doesn't He? And the place He does that is the cross of Calvary. So you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Are you willing to repent? To give up a life of sin? To confess His name before others and then to be immersed in water. Well, why would you need to do that? So that you might enjoy the remission of your sins. So that all your sins can be washed away. And then if you walk in the light, just walk in harmony with the will of God. What's the promise? Well, you continue to have fellowship with God. That cleansing blood is operating in your life every day. And when you come to the end of this life, you have the promise of life eternal, 1 John 2, verse 25. If you're here, let's just say that your life's not what it ought to be. You're a Christian, but for whatever reason you have left the Lord. Somewhere along the line, you fell back into the world, the trappings of the world. Can you come home? Yes. Just like the prodigal. And what will He do? He'll forgive you, won't He? Didn't John say if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all sin. That's the one we're talking about. So if you have any need today, please come as we stand and sing.